0: Well, hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of After Further Review with Mark Ferrer and John Pelkey. I am John Pelkey. You'll hear from Mark Ferrer and our producer, Jeff Taylor, momentarily. We hope wherever you are, your quarantine, half quarantine, quarter quarantine, eighth quarantine, 16th quarantine, whatever it is at this point, we hope that it's going well. Thanks for spending a little bit of time with us. Mark Ferreira, beginning with yes, you. Sir. How is your – we're through phase one here in central Florida, rainy central Florida. So I guess we're at, like, I don't know, third, two-thirds quarantine at this point maybe?
1: Uh, I think so. I think we're phase two. Bars oh, are now open. Four. Okay. What's that? Yeah. And, and we're phase, phase one two. today <laughs> – phase one today is uh, – is New York City, so yeah. it's uh, it's very interesting. Yeah, uh, you know, bars, everything are open now. Now in, in Florida, I you know, obviously, big crowds are not involved. Although we have said this that in, and, and the protests have, have have gone on now for a couple of weeks. So one more week of data, and if nothing has spiked in any significant way to alert the public health health officials, who I'll I'll get into, you know, <laughs> their. uh you know, talking out of both sides of their mouth in a minute. But uh, if it doesn't concern them, guys, in another week of data, I mean, we can start sports, right? If oh yeah, full stadiums. We just, we just go to we just go to Fenway with masks,
0: full stadiums, uh, and reschedule the national sneezing
1: championship, folks. It's it's great. Let's go. Let's I mean, go. why? If if indeed all over the country there are people. I mean, did you see the Golden Gate Bridges last weekend? They were packed. They were packed on the Golden Gate Bridge. And if in two weeks it doesn't spike in San Francisco or in California, then I think we should go ahead and go to Fenway with masks. All right. I don't know why Fenway. I mean, again, John, doesn't that make sense if there's no spike? Well, clearly you're of- picking Fenway because according to Tory Hunter, you're a racist. <laughs> it's it's top of mind for me right now because of uh, what Tory Hunter, and he's not the only one, John, as, no, as no, we no, know. no,
0: Adam Jones. Oh, yeah, there are plenty of guys.
1: Barry Bonds was told that. Barry Bonds was told that as he was uh, as he was coming up in Major League Baseball, that avoid Boston. Whatever you can, avoid them. It's the most racist city in the country.
0: Well, you know, it's so funny. We've talked about this before on the podcast, and uh, I'm a, I'm a Virginian, uh, and uh, so nominally a Southerner, though Northern Virginia. I like to claim that. You, you clearly are from San Francisco because apparently you have a 24-7, 365 camera on the Golden Gate Bridge, so you can let us know what's happening as people Again,
1: are Again, it was a major about story. white privilege uh, <laughs> major story john okay. in terms of the protests
2: people in san francisco can't even see the golden gate bridge most days
0: it's 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 a bit true mark and i have seen it together uh may or may not have been holding hands at this time but seen it together coming in
1: uh from the sea nice seen that, that, he that, that sailed at it. underneath it jeff how about that that's Early fantastic
2: uh, for a san franciscan that's got to be like life oh. goal
1: yeah, it was it was it was right up there. And I like that life goal as opposed to bucket list. God, I hate that. That is the most you thing. It's you like, mean, hey, let me do a bucket list. No, life goal is much more positive, much more. Let me do this as opposed to bucket list, which is like at some point in time, I'm never going to have a chance to do this again because I'll be dead. And Problem. That's true. I
2: didn't know it was for kick the bucket list. Is that what oh, it yeah. is? No, oh, I didn't yep. know that.
1: Yep. It's your bucket list. I got all kinds. I got all kinds. I got all kinds of that today, John. All kinds of victory all today.
0: You and you always, man, if if there's a there's literally nothing you hate more. You 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 hate this more than you hate animal cruelty and probably uh, inequities in 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 the financial system. You you hate popular sayings. (laughs) You're like the guy now. This is and this is I really do. neat that when I really we do. when we all used to listen, when we were kids to like top 40 radio and the song that they just played into the ground. Right. You know, at a point it's like, man, I like the song Baker Street for a while. But God almighty, if I hear it again, uh, you're kind of like that with popular sayings,
1: because like, you know, sports references, the quarter bowl. We're at the quarter bowl, Mark. <laughs> oh, man. You hate God. that. No, it just—it just literally. I have a—I have a physically violent reaction to this. What is that?
2: I don't know. You but know, I like penultimate
1: to my. It's my just my trend thing. I hate trends. I hate mob mentality. I just hate that. It's the same thing, really, about the uh the the song that's played over and over again. To your point, uh, Jerry Rafferty, R.I.P. Oh, by the way, uh, but. I think it has to do with that. It has to do with just this bandwagon thing that just feels so NICU to me, and so I just reject it out of hand, which, of course, is more stupid than people jumping on a bandwagon. In the end, am it's ridiculous, the moral compromises <laughs> I make in order to justify my uh, initial physically violent reaction to. But I can and I can speak to this too. I think because for the faux intellectuals
0: like you and I, uh, the people who, who posed as intellectuals for a very long time, I think there is a natural, um, a, a natural desire to distance yourself from anything that's too popular. You know, you you don't want to be that that person. You're thinking, oh, you know, golly, if it's it's got to be kind of low hanging fruit if everybody's into it and. Uh, I'd rather be. I'd, r- I'd rather think of myself as someone elite, someone that uh, that doesn't give in to that. So I, I'm guilty of it as well. I just with you, it's the popular phrase more than
1: anything. Yeah, I mean, you can really kind of narrow it down to that. You're 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 absolutely right about that. You can narrow it down. It is vocabulary in the end, John. Yeah. That I object to most. It's people's use of popular vocabulary, and I'll give you an example right now. Something that is right smack dab in the middle of the news that bugs the heck out of me. And that is this whole call for police defunding. Okay. <laughs> defunding. First of all, let's not even talk about how easy it is for the right to jump on that one and, to and to run down the road and, 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 and let everyone forget about the social injustices that let us to talk about this. But if you read about it, it's reallocation of funds. Right. It's re, So it's the cops are stretched thin with dealing with drug overdoses, dealing with homeless encampment, non-criminal homeless encampment things. They're stretched thin dealing with this stuff. Let's let them just do law enforcement. How about that? Right. And reallocate that money to social service organizations that can deal with that. Doesn't reallocating funds sound a lot more like – a lot more people can get on board with that idea as opposed to defunding the police. I know. I, yeah, it's, it's also, you know,
0: talking about taking the funds and as opposed to giving them uh, the equipment necessary for a European invasion, maybe some other tools that will help them. You know, right. it, it's just uh, and, and, we'll, and we're going to talk more about this because we really do have to get into the uh, we do have to get into the whole the NFL statement, which uh, on I, I think, again, being able to keep two thoughts in my head at the same time was astonishing and um and and welcomed and yet uh insufficient in in, in other ways and i don't think there's i i I think that's that's something that is difficult a lot of times for people on both sides to deal with and it's that here's a phrase i know you don't hate mark and that is making the perfect the enemy of the good and that we have to look at everything under the microscope of if, if 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 there's a slight percentage that it either didn't go far enough or right. someone took offense, then it it must be wrong, and we must tear it all down. We can't solve the problem, people. We can't solve the problem. So here, here's more of your tartar sauce.
1: Enjoy minions. No, um, that's it. That's it. That's exactly it. It's like, are we really do we really want to solve this problem or do we just want to talk about it? feel like we're enlightened and right or if we're politicians we just want to run on it i mean isn't that the thing john it's like do you want to solve this thing or do you want to campaign on the damn thing yeah well
0: and but you know and and the thing is i've been watching a lot of stuff on uh american history 20th century american history and uh really back into the 19th century um for race related issues when we've had uh you know, riots in, in 1919. We had riots, uh, racial riots. Obviously, you 67, by the way, 68 <laughs> through through those those years. Um, we we had those, and and one of the, the the saddest parts of all of it is if you read the enlightened folk of the time and what they were talking about and talking about that this must this must be a catalyst for change and this is this has to be this is you know this is a tipping point and uh, what we largely got was we got a lot of uh, lip service paid towards that by the institutions that can really institute change for. Too many uses of the word "institute" and its iterations in a sentence. Yep, uh, I would Cannot like to use it the rest of the show. Today. No, I really shouldn't be allowed to. But that's the thing. And that's where, you know, some of the cynicism creeping back in, because I think we're all looking at this from different sides of the political spectrum. And we're having people we're having people on uh, what we we would consider to be uh, the right. And even, you know, approaching the far right, talking about the issues of systematic racism and disagreeing maybe on some of the, the ways that we solve those problems, but coming to an agreement. And that's and that's good. That's we need to cheer that on. We need to cheer people from that political spectrum taking steps in our direction we don't have to say gee thank you that's enough because that's kind of what has been enough in the past we've discussed it we've talked about it let's put a commission together um we need we need to see positive
1: movement it and positive will change. fade away in time let's that's put a commission what, together
0: right and i mean i think that's been you listen and that is the that's natural inclination for people in power who want to keep power the, the the greatest uh, the, the the greatest ally of those in power is the status quo. So ask yourself, those people who are most resistant to change, why are they resistant to that change? And if they can't give you a good answer other than the underlying answer that most of them would like to remain in power, then that's not that's not a good enough reason. And that's what we've run into time and time again. And. Uh, We'll get into this more with the uh, with with the uh, NFL discussion coming up in a moment. But but Mark,
1: let's let's lighten the mood. <laughs> let's let's do it. It's important. It's important to keep those dynamics, Johnny. It really right. is. We let's- can get we can get dour and cynical and dark and hopeless, and then it's time for progressive trivia.
0: Right, and then we stop talking about the Cleveland Browns, and then you can lighten up. See, you know, I
1: step on it again. You'd think after twenty years working with you, twenty one years.
0: I'm insane. Uh, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different resolve. And I expect at some point you'll you'll be my comedy wingman. And instead, I, I just have to resort to these ad hominem attacks against your character, which, while well-founded, oh, yeah. uh, to the uninitiated listener, could seem, you know, mean. If sure, not, sure. But 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 they really are,
1: which is deserved in every way. Oh, they they really are. Again, again, if there was a just God, those ad hominem attacks would translate into much more.
0: Uh, the book you know, of Mark date? would be a much different book. Yeah, it would just simply be an entire book from uh, a creator discussing how you're the problem. That's it. Pretty much. You know, the world would have been much better if. All right. was a go. great far side from years ago. And I'm sorry to cut you off. But one of my favorite far sides, one of my favorite cartoons. There was a great one years ago where it was a tall building and there's this forlorn guy looking out the window and there's this entire mob around the bottom, and it just – and it said – and they had signs. I'll tell you what the signs said in a minute, but in the bottom it just said, they needed a scapegoat. They chose Wayne. And it's just (laughs) signs, down with Wayne. We hate Wayne. And it's just so – it's so perfect. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. here in the human psyche.
1: Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. We always need an enemy. We need a common enemy to blame – to put all of our foibles onto – and uh, and then call it a day and go back to our tea. All right, this is the uh, this is an NFL player, past or present. He is a Hall of Famer. How about that? Right off the bat, yet a fourth round pick. You know the NFL is littered with stories about low round picks entering the Hall of Fame, even not even getting picked. John non draftees getting picked as well. So it's a fourth round pick, Hall of Famer, played in twenty plus playoff games. However, twenty plus playoff games and was a five-time Pro Bowler. Now, I know I didn't give you any statistics about the position or any of the, stat, uh, any of the stats therein uh, that come with that particular position, but uh, those will have to wait. Fourth-round draft pick, Hall of Famer, 20-plus playoff games. It is not Roger Staubach. Nice guess. Five-time Pro Bowler. That's it. That's it, All Johnny. Right. All right. So there the likeness of the show
0: will now proceed. All right, we're going to jump into it. We talked about it a little over, uh, over the weekend. Roger Goodell, uh, and when, I guess that was maybe, uh, was it Friday or Saturday? I guess it was after our show on Friday. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain. might have been Sunday. It all, it all runs together during this quarantine. I have generally no idea what day it is. Every morning, I got up this morning, did it again. I, I had a whole plan of things I was going to do today, and Jody's like, don't you have a show? Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, yep, do have a show. Forgot, forgot it was Monday. Um, but um uh, released, uh, released a video that essentially said that the, the the nfl hasn't done enough and they've been wrong in not supporting their african-american uh players and people who work for the league and african-americans in general um and as i said it was uh it seemed relatively heartfelt though i it's a slippery slope to try to determine what people's uh sincerity is but it seemed like it was um you and I also, there was a great story on the background of how it happened, and yeah. it really was sort of a grassroots movement from within the league offices that moved into the players, utilizing the players, and then getting to the commissioner. But uh, uh, so it seemed heartfelt. It did it, it did say that they had made mistakes. It wasn't a, you know, if we didn't go far enough and you were offended by it sort of apology. Um, but pointedly, it did not mention Colin Kaepernick. Right. Um, now, I said earlier, we, we we have to meet people where they are. And the yep. NFL has certainly taken a step towards what I believe is a social, a, a better position on social justice uh, for minorities. It, it, how much is that mitigated in your mind by not mentioning Colin Kaepernick
1: in any way? Well, <clears throat> it's it's interesting because remember, their very first statement, their very first statement, uh, clearly wasn't enough. It caused this league office uh, employee who was in charge of social media for the NFL, big job, to sort of risk his job and to contact these African-American players and give them, uh, give them a template, if you will, to make a statement to Roger Goodell, which turned out to be outstanding, and we'll get into that in a second. But uh, initially, I did give the NFL benefit of the doubt with the very first statement. It sounded like, okay, hang on. This is a foundation from which to take the next step. They ended up taking the next step, mm-hmm. which was Black Lives Matter. We were wrong in how we handled it. We're nothing without African American players in this sport. Now, there's a bat. There's a bit of a backlash now in terms of you know you're not mentioning Colin Kaepernick. You essentially blackballed him. You essentially forced him to to retire, or you know you you made sure he didn't have a job because it was pointing out racism for
0: crying out loud well and you reframed the debate you you helped reframe the debate to be something that was about the military the nfl is at equally responsible as they are which jumped on that immediately
1: they are so so another step is needed there's no doubt about it but that's what that's what we need to kind of get get around you know you can you know in other words you, you know in this country at least You can't go from privatized insurance to Medicare for all overnight. You've got to, you've got to take steps toward it. And to me, if you're a true progressive, which that could mean anyone, conservative or liberal, all you want is to progress the country forward, then everyone knows our healthcare system is a mess, and what's the next step that will make it better? Social justice wise, it's a mess out there. What's the steps to make it better? One step at a time. And the perfect, the enemy, the good is all about, OK, we all we all know we need to get to Z, but we're at A and we need to get to B, C, D and, and E and F and G. We have to we have to do it. Sorry, we have to. So in that sense, I'm hopeful that the NFL at some point, because we have some we have time before the season starts, before kneeling and or not kneeling takes place and mass and it becomes You know, it it becomes the story as opposed to the actual story, which is what, which is what those people want it to be. They want it to be about something else than the problem. Uh, So, so I think it was a good statement. I also think the social media viral uh, statement by the players, by nine players, including oh by the way, you know Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are in this thing. You know, Edgeron, I mean, not Edgeron James, but Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, you know, Odell Beckham, these, these are big players. And that moved the NFL. So the next thing will move the NFL. And I'm not sure how or when it's going to happen, but I'm encouraged by the movement. And it's going to be interesting to see what Roger Goodell does in terms of this latest uh, tweet from the president. Because, boy, oh, boy, did they did they fall in line when he called them sons of bitches back in '17. And we'll see how they react now.
0: Yeah, not surprisingly, he tried to reframe the debate once again as a uh, and he tried to do it with uh, Drew Brees as well. And Brees, to his credit, after coming out and and, and having an, an apology that uh, didn't go far enough for some people. But we thought, you know, actually accepting that he'd done something wrong. Then the president reached out. And uh, made some comment about disrespecting the flag and breeze to his credit, tweeted back to uh, to Trump that, that that was not the case. And that wasn't uh, that, that he no longer accepted that. That's really what the uh, what the debate was about. But uh, it will be interesting to see, because now uh, the president has stepped out and sent a tweet saying, you know, reiterating his position and the position of his base on uh, kneeling to the flag. I, I think uh, there was a great uh there was a great article also that we looked into that we were looking at today uh, from Howard Bryant, uh, uh, African-American columnist who writes uh, uh, about sports and social issues as well, talking about a number of things that the league could do to to move forward. I think uh, let's let's put Kaepernick aside for a minute and we'll have that discussion more on whether you believe, as I do, that uh, unless they make some sort of an overt move involving Colin Kaepernick, it will appear as a. Uh, Uh, a hollow gesture to a lot of the folks looking for social justice. And that is because again, uh, the the league's responsibility in reframing the argument and as opposed to backing up one of their players and saying, hey, let's sit down and talk about this and why it's upsetting people and what you're really trying to say. And, and oh, by the way, let's bring the Green Beret that said that this was a good way to, uh, to quietly protest and uh, respectfully protest into the discussion as well. They missed an opportunity there, as large corporations and large entities often do when it comes time to talk about things like social justice. But let's talk about some of the other things that he talked about moving forward. Things so as simple as um, having a moment of silence following the national anthem where everyone can take a knee, but pointing out that this is being done in the NFL because 80% of the players are African-American. And in addition to those players, there are also players, uh, white players who are concerned with social justice issues that hadn't been addressed and that the league had, had done some damage by, By not backing that up, uh,
1: I thought that was a was an interesting. Uh, I agree. Position I think, to take. I think the, that's something we could talk about. I think so too. As a matter of fact, I'd like Jeff's take on this one. If it's after the national anthem, Jeff. If it's after the national anthem and then they all take a knee for a moment of silence, say thirty seconds. What do you think of that idea?
2: Without thinking about it very much, I think it's great.
0: Yeah, I mean I think that's some place we can we can come to get we can come together.
2: I see uh, I, I see I see where some people will say attaching it to the national anthem may be a problem. Why does it have to be attached to the national anthem, although it already is, but it's not gonna bother me. Well, and listen, here's, it's after here's, it would be after the anthem.
1: Here's the
0: simple reason, because you want to do it at a point in time where everybody's lined up and, and, and ready to go, where it has the maximum amount of impact and people are back in their seats between the national anthem and the kickoff getting ready for the game. So I think they feel that's a, a would be a good time to do it. I mean, they can argue about other times to do it as well. But I do think in some way that will still be a hollow gesture, Mark, if they don't if if some level of uh not in the kaepernick direction doesn't happen all right but let's stay away from cap for a second we'll get back to that uh some other ideas which i thought were really really interesting they license the nfl out to video games and uh putting messages of social justice into those video games you know when you're flipping from a a, a page to another for lack of a better term when you're playing madden and uh, we haven't played in a while um uh, so i brush up on your hail mary skills um it uh <laughs> um, Such a wrong narrative. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that when we do the video deep dive into video game day. But uh, as opposed to just, uh, you know, sometimes they do fake commercials for things. Sometimes it's, you know, a, a comment about a player or a league, maybe something in there about you know, hey, I'm Patrick Mahomes and uh, some sort of comment on social justice. Again, I'm not writing it now uh, and hopefully and I'm obviously not being erudite enough in explaining it. But you know what I'm saying? You you, you read the article as well. I think that is that's a step that needs to be taken so that social justice is tied into something like the NFL, which should in every way, as should all of life be a meritocracy of some sort. And uh, if if that's what you're looking, you're looking towards to be a meritocracy, you have to afford people the same opportunities or else it's not a meritocracy in any way. And
1: I think that would be a nice movement in, in the right direction. Right. I, I think uh, it's important to just acknowledge as the NFL, the platform you have in terms of being able to articulate the point of view of this massive fifteen billion dollar entity that has that reaches all levels of society, so if one of those platforms i mean one of those ways to communicate is via video games that 's great, but acknowledge it, understand it that you have this platform, and that is it is incumbent upon you to take that responsibility seriously And to your to your point about meritocracy in terms of uh you know in terms of opportunity. Another example was that the Rooney rule, which has been amended this year, that says you have to have an African-American candidate to interview, not just as a head coach, but also for GM and for some other assistant positions. I think most Americans can get behind the idea of equal opportunity, not equal results, but equal opportunity. That was yet one other vocabulary phrase that the left got wrong back in the day, uh, just like defunding the cops as opposed to reallocating. You know, they just don't know how to frame any debate ever. But <laughs> it, it was it because you, you can't offend anybody under the big umbrella. So this is the thing, though. Make that transparent. Don't just rely on the honor of the teams to say, yeah, we did this. Make that transparent. Make it available make sure that everyone is accountable to that because all that is doing is giving more opportunity. A lot of the times people joke about it. Okay. Here's the token coming in to be interviewed for, for an uh, an offensive coordinator position or a GM position, but every now and then they'll impress and people will see talent in front of them that they wouldn't have seen before. And I think that's the American way.
0: Yeah, and I think it would be as simple for people who are like, oh, gosh, what would this encompass? We've all seen the NFL's Play 60 uh, campaign, which is, you know, an hour uh, a day for kids to get out and exercise, to not just sit in and play video games. It's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Um, You see it in commercials during the games. You see it in uh, uh, signage in and around stadiums um, video clips that, that during games. Uh, there's mention of it in video, uh, games. Um, it, and it would be something as simple as that, that it's a social justice movement led by the NFL. Now, I, I don't dispute that if you start moving in this direction and you start doing this, there will be a certain amount of your constituency that you, um, uh, that you offend. Sadly, that can be the same said about any, uh, Anything that progresses society generally means that there is an old order that will be thrown out of order and uh, they will they will cling to that. And it's particularly uh, something that uh, the billionaires who own the National Football League, the owners of the teams, seem uh, reluctant to do. But I think there is you know, there's a there's a, a great adage and it was actually uh, it was actually something that was said by uh, a, a man in open rebellion versus the United States government, who inexplicably later on uh, his battle flag became you know something that patriots like to put on their pickup trucks and whatnot. James Longstreet, the general of, of the Army of Northern Virginia, who said at Gettysburg when was asked to, you know, listen, general, stay, stay back here. You, we, we don't want you up, out in the front lines. You might get killed. And he said, you can't lead from behind and i think a lot of times uh big co- uh, corporations try to lead from behind a little bit because they're worried about profits the nfl has to has to take a stance it's a multi-billion dollar industry and let's look at it this way mark let's look at it from a, a an economic standpoint people always talk about broadening the tax base don't you think that if the nfl became more of an equal opportunity league and 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 campaign for social
1: justice that in the end what they would do would be broaden their support uh, you know that's the the algorithms right now, I think uh, probably say that that's up for grabs, or at least the algorithms right now point to to your point. Most corporations are conservative in the sense that we have, you know, we uh, we have a bird in the hand. We have this. Right. Let's protect this. We don't need to risk, you know, the two that could be in the bush, quote unquote. So. Uh, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. It could expand that base. I, I, I'm yes. saying
0: if you're playing the long game, because that's, short...
1: that's tough to do, as you right. know. And, um, but I, I do think this is all good. I do love the fact that the NFL is front and center with all of this. You know, the other sports are woefully behind, frankly, including baseball. We'll get to them in, in a second, Tony Clark clam. Um, I have all kinds of additional evidence as to why he's a clam, but we'll wait till that segment in the show. Um, (laughs) uh, But the NFL is, is doing the right thing. And to your point, John, the next thing they they at least have to say, Kaepernick, we're sorry for blackballing you. We're sorry for for colluding to keep you out of the league, even if they don't say what you did was fine and right or whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's the next step is to say we prohibited you from pursuing your line of work, and we shouldn't have done that, frankly, at the time in light of everything they have already admitted to. They're a private corporation. They could do whatever they want. You know, They're sort, sort of you know, franchisees of one giant corporation, and they, they are allowed to do whatever they want in terms of employment, but not in light of what they just said. They just said they were wrong. Right. So they need to come out. They they don't have to guarantee him a job. They don't have to do any of those things. But they do have to say, we're sorry we blackballed you and
0: ruined your career. Yeah, I think, I think one of the things that's been missing uh, for a long time with uh, American business is, um, and this may be business worldwide, too, but I just speak of America because it's where I live. And what I know about is it seems... The, the larger the company, the less responsible they see they, they they think they need to be civically, and I think that's backwards thinking. Um, the NFL, because of its ubiqu- ubiquitousness in our society, that you know we are you, you can barely go a day in the United States, whether you're a football fan or not, with not being presented with something that has to do with the National Football League, either a commercial with an athlete. Um, a commercial for the NFL channel, uh, someone interviewed locally. It's just it's everywhere. And I think with that, you you have a much higher level of civic responsibility than you would if you're making the world's greatest pillow that you're selling on television. You you just you you just you do. Everyone sleeps, John. Everyone sleeps. Very true. And I have yet (laughs) to find a pillow that I like. It's it's an ongoing concern for me. I don't know why you haven't tried my pillow. But I think the uh, moral reasons. I think the uh, but I think with the NFL, I, I, I really do think that if if again, you are looking beyond next quarter's profits. And I understand that that's difficult to do. And it's also something the Players Association has to come to terms with. You know, you may lose advertising. There may be a blip in revenue of some sort, but I think that'll come back to you threefold. That's just my opinion, because I think when you play the long game, we talked about the arc of justice, our arc of history inexorably bends towards justice. Things take a while. I think if you're playing the
1: long game, and if you're the NFL, you, you have the resources to play the long game. Well, and I think that goes both ways, Johnny. So, so for the left, and for people that think that NFL hasn't gone far enough with their statements, which I agree they haven't, but that we need to take we need to take a long game approach with it as well, because you know their first statement was, I thought setting a foundation. Their second statement went the next step. I'm assuming they're going to have a next step as well, and we need to kind of play the long game as well. When you talk about bigger corporations having more civic responsibilities, I do agree, but it's the conundrum we have in this country. You know, Tip O'Neill said this, and it's true, all politics are local, and probably yep. all all commerce is local too, in a way. And it's it's like the further separated you are, and this is the, the right wing and the conservative's point of view about uh, centralized government, the further out you are, the less responsive you are to the people on the ground in each individual area, and that's what President Obama said about policing and police reforms is that some, some uh you know police departments are close to being there and just need encouragement to keep going, others need full systemic change. It depends it, yeah. to have so and I think with with the NFL, you, the farther you get because it's so big, the less responsive they are because they've got teams you know in Dallas they've got teams right. you know in areas of the country that don't respond well to Arizona cer- certain things Arizona's a biggie they although you know that was a great move back in the day when they said we're not going to have the super bowl here Arizona because you don't recognize MLK, MLK day even though it's a national federally recognized national holiday right. you don't celebrate it you don't get the super bowl and guess what they made they accepted it the next year got a super bowl in 5 years from there so right. the nfl does have a track record but you're absolutely right and i think that's the problem with uh y- you know i think it 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 has to feed from the local all the way to the top and i think then it needs to feed from the top all the way down to the local i don't we tend to separate those things we tend to be disconnected and and it and it's it's you know where we are america dallas is part of america so is new york city we're all part of the same thing and yes dallas is going to feel different but da- but dallas and the deep south certainly understand that social justice needs to progress everyone agrees that that incident in minneapolis was egregious beyond the pale so let's try and weave all of this stuff together as best we can as opposed to just doing blanket big picture things or just individually pick, you know, cherry picking local things. And let's we, realize, we can do both.
0: And let's realize there's not, not a one size articulate. fits all. No, no, it's great. There's not a one size fits all uh, solution to all of these problems because, as you've said, you know, New York uh, exists, Dallas exists inside America. The uh, the the challenges for police in small rural communities, uh, mid sized cities and extremely large cities they're, they're 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 very different at times i mean there are certain things that are that uh that are uh, rules or uh, at least training that should go towards all people who are uh, going to be officers of the law. But things aren't you You just don't have the resources in some places to do things that you do have in other places. And sometimes that means in these smaller police community, uh, these smaller communities, to your point, Mark, being local, you can get a lot more done than you can in some can in some of these larger urban areas that present you with a lot, a lot more problems. But I, I, I think that uh, I think that as opposed to su- searching for a one size fits all solution, you can find a, a number of solutions that can. And we've talked about this before. People rail against socialism. People rail against communism. People rail against the uh, free enterprise system and gov- government and societies generally work when they have a bit of all of those things involved True. together. So Next I think market he- economy. You look at you look at solutions and sometimes the solution that's right for New York City
1: isn't right for
0: Cheyenne, Wyoming. Not maybe not all of those things.
1: Let, let me if you don't mind, let me take a few minutes, just maybe three minutes for a bubble check. That's what I'm going to call it. OK, a bubble check, which is when I ask Jeff <laughs> about something that we've said. And let's have a bubble check here. The idea. That the vocabulary is wrong with defunding police departments, Jeff, and it's more about reallocating those resources to social service organizations that deal with drug overdoses and homeless encampment issues that are non-criminal, give the cops a chance to concentrate just on law enforcement. Uh, what, What do you think of that general idea of reallocating some of those funds?
2: I'm all for reallocating government funds wherever the people that are elected want to put them. I did see, it's funny, nine times out of ten, you'll never hear me quoting something I saw on social media. But one thing that I did see on social media that I really liked was someone has made the suggestion that you have to have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice to qualify for the police force going forward. And I think that would be uh, maybe some money reallocated towards scholarships for guys to go to those schools to get those criminal justice degrees to then go on to become a police officer, having taken classes about how de-escalation, having taken classes on the history of policing and how it's not supposed to be law enforcement as much as it is supposed to be someone keeping the peace, which was its original function and uh i think a lot of good could come from that but uh defunding the police is a recipe for disaster if it's not done properly
0: and it really isn't even what they meant that's the problem it's just it's ridiculous that stupid messaging but uh, jeff i love that idea and i think everybody agrees i I'm even hard pressed to find anyone in p- police uh, people who work in the in police forces and anyone anywhere who doesn't think that more training for police officers is a better
2: thing. I think that I would rather go to a doctor that didn't have a degree to diagnose me with the cold than have to worry about a guy that graduated high school and was just hanging out and doing nothing and then took a job because it's easy to get pulling me over with a gun, a taser and a stick that he could beat me with. I, (laughs) I am completely on board with that. And I get the biggest kick out of uh, one thing that I will tell you is not a function of white privilege is feeling safe when you're being pulled over, because I always freak out when I see the lights behind me. I know I've done nothing wrong. I know that that I don't have any drugs or paraphernalia or weapons in my car that I don't have legally. And I still freak out because I know that it just depends on that guy's attitude, how that goes down. And it's from experience. I have been uh, treated poorly by police officers in the past and for no reason. So I think that that is a great idea to make sure we're putting the right people in such an important Position. It is a very important position. And to think it's a job that you can just go get if you pass the physical side of it, if you don't have a record yet, I just don't think that those things should qualify you for that job. And people may disagree with me, but you're going to have a hard time making your argument if you disagree with me there.
0: And and you can you can and you can, you know, for people who go, oh, my God, bachelor's degree that will put four years. It can be an associate's degree. It can be tied into community colleges in the area. Um, there are any number of things. And and, and those situations also could put the uh, law enforcement into those community colleges in some way so that the, the, the students there see policing and police. Men and women, folks on the police force and law enforcement in general, as part of the community, as opposed to what we what we all see, it it becomes more often than not, which is an occupying force in a neighborhood. So
2: can I also add, uh, I have been in my community affected just recently because the police were defunded here our board decided to stop paying for our Osceola County sheriff. That was assigned to my neighborhood. It's a large neighborhood. And, uh, so our sheriff, Jerry is no longer going to be available in our community. And what a difference that guy made. He would hang out on our basketball courts with the kids and make sure that they weren't doing anything wrong. We having a relationship with him where I have his cell phone number. My wife has his cell phone number. I had a 17 year old kid, 16 year old kid running around. We'd get, text messages hey she's at the park with some boy they seem to be on the verge of being up to no good just a heads up that's community policing that's knowing the guy in the neighborhood are you You kidding they haven't
0: done anything wrong (laughs) well you know what
2: he didn't accuse him of doing anything wrong he was just letting the parents know (laughs) 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 but anyway so literally The, that he's no longer going to be here. That's a detriment to our community. So the local policing thing, knowing the guy that's policing you can get rid of all of those issues.
0: That's that's exactly. And you're making the point exactly is that police, uh, you know, in the history of police brutality goes back a long way. But in the seemingly in the areas where policing works the best, it's in places where the uh, law enforcement feels like they're part of the community and they are an integrated part of the community. And we talked on an earlier show about one of the problems in New York City is that Manhattan particularly has priced civil service workers, teachers, anybody other than, you know, people who do small business and large business takeover and financial people and entertainment people. they have been priced out of Manhattan neighborhoods. So the people who are your police, your fire, all of those people, they have nothing, they have no vested interest other than keeping their great job uh, or their good-paying job or whatever. And that's a recipe, as we've seen, for disaster. To your point, Mark, we have to get back to local, to realizing that no matter how big your community is, Your community could be Ottumwa, Iowa, or your community can be New York City. It's your community, and you all have to try to come to some agreement to work together to benefit all of you, and not at the expense of others, and it's not at the expense Again, we have to get away from the zero-sum game thing that thinks if we help these people, it's somehow going to take something away from yeah, us. That,
1: that has been the case from the get, man. I'll tell you, I remember going into the ESPN club when we first got there in 96, when I first got there, talking to someone, and it was the Defense of Marriage Act was up for grabs. You know, That was the the thing that uh, the Republicans uh, put together, a law that they created to try and uh, you know, put – Bill Clinton in in an election year sort of up against the wall. That's the law, oh by the way, <laughs> that was deemed unconstitutional, which opened the gates for legal gay marriage across the country. So you know be careful what you you know legislate people overplaying your hand. but at any rate, i I went in there and I was talking about that to someone and they said well, it's it's fine. I don't mind equal rights. I just don't want special rights. and it's and it's that mentality like you're taking something away from me when you give an other group the same rights you have. Now I guess big picture you could say, well if I have extra rights and now I just have equal rights, <laughs> then you've taken rights away from me. But you don't need extra rights. It's about it's about evening the playing field. I agree with you. And and to get back into the bubble, I will say, Jeff, that you felt threatened it before, but I there are just too many stories of African Americans who have not only felt threatened but literally worried about their actual life every time, and it goes on and on and on. And, and you could make an argument that the, that the media likes to spin the narrative that that blacks and whites are it's it's more divisive than it is, and racism is more prevalent than it actually is. And you can make it I think a credible argument for the uh, you know the uh, hyperbolic nature of the media. What I just tend to look to are individual stories, and I, I don't think it gets any more clearer than Tim Scott, senator from South Carolina, Republican, who couldn't even get to work because the because the officer in charge didn't believe that his ID was real because he thought he was impersonating a senator. He and, – and, and that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of him feeling threatened and, and these African-American parents having to teach their kids that unless you have both hands on the wheel and you say yes or no, sir, and that's all you say, you might die. I don't think in any of those cases, Jeff, no offense that you're that that you might have died in I, any of those uh, even if you were a smart ass to
2: them. You're wrong, but it only happened once. <laughs> and I almost died. So well, uh, the, it's it's definitely happened it can to me, happen. it but it's happen, just even... this is once again just my personal experience. I can't speak sure. for everybody, but uh yeah. There was someone that was more of a redneck than me that pulled me over once and I thought that I was going to die. <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, listen, there are Bare a lot enough. of these, we enough. talked about this too and I I'm, I'm sorry if your law enforcement but Lizzy every problem. but there are local uh law enforcement communities that make uh a good deal of the money that they make by harassing people are from out of city out of state out. You know, that's kind of, there was a, uh, it, it's uh, boy. I can't remember up around. It's not stark up in North Florida. You had to drive through it to go to the beach. When I was at school at the university of Florida to go to Crescent beach. And basically they got sued and had to pay all kinds of money because they were basically setting up speed traps and entrapping uh, people from out of town coming into town. Uh, and most everybody was on their way somewhere that they couldn't report back to court two weeks from now. But okay, well, it'll be a $75 fine, but if you just want to pay it now, it's $200 and you don't have to come back in two weeks. What do you think most people
2: did? Same thing with Lowndes County, Georgia, where where you go up into Georgia if you're taking 75 They, they uh The sheriff there, if I'm not mistaken, got knocked out of uh, his role and sued for the same thing. They were literally sitting there Northbound, waiting for people to come out of Florida and giving them tickets constantly. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah, Lottie. they were hiding hiding Is stop it? signs behind uh uh trees and things yeah. so people didn't see them. And when we would go from a fifty five mile an hour speed limit to twenty five within a block yeah. and stuff like that. That's so, that's
2: that's, that's Lottie. Lounge County, L O N D E S S. Waldo? one of those
0: <laughs> yeah up around up around that it's up around that area if you're going if you're taking a back way from Gainesville to 301 Jacksonville yeah there there oh. it was It was well known and everybody told you, you know, you're going to Jacksonville. Well, when you get to this point, slow down because they've hidden the the, the, uh, speed limit signs. And then, of course, that came out and then all of a sudden you could see them again. But then someone had sued them and it turned into a a big deal up there. So, yeah, I (laughs) mean, a
2: a flip side to that is Cocoa Beach, which I'm sure you both have driven to. Have you ever noticed the cop car parked in the middle of the road right when you turn on to A1A coming in there? There has never been an officer in that car. In 25-plus years that I've been driving, it's literally there to say, the speed limit changes up here. Slow down. <laughs> and what I a perfect way. That, that's, it's always exa- there. that's exactly why they do it. They park it there to say, hey, you're, here's a cop. Look at the speed limit sign that's right here. And it goes yeah. down to 35 miles an hour. Instead of pulling people over, they just slow them down, which is what they need to do. Don't yeah. pull me over to make money. Slow me down so slow I drive a safe down. speed. There you yes. go.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Follow reason. the money. Follow the money. As always, follow the money. All right. Speaking of following the money, uh, my money's on that in the second set of clues, I'm going to get this progressive trivia, Mark Carrera.
1: You might. You just might. First set of clues was a fourth round draft pick, a Hall of Famer, 20-plus playoff games, five-time Pro Bowler. One guest came out of the uh, first set of clues. That was Roger Staubach. That was incorrect. Second set of clues, 100-plus sacks. Played with Lawrence Phillips and Jim Burt. Thirteen-year career, won more than one Super Bowl. Good Lord!
0: And now, why is his name escaping me? I know his alma mater. Uh, crap! Uh,
1: you got it. I think you got it. Yes, I, I know. I, 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 do. Oh, I, okay. I think. I think you have it. Go ahead and just text me the alma mater. I just texted. I just texted it. To you. you got it. You All got right, it. that's what Good I man. thought.
0: I thought that coming out of the first set. That's why I said. And I had it after really? your first clue. I had it after your first clue. After fourth round draft pick. Yep, yep 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 no well, no after your first clue the second s- set i was uh-huh. gonna
2: say it wouldn't have been after that one clue because you told us before the show that it was a hall of famer
0: <laughs> right exactly That's exactly true. so
1: 100 plus sacks and that that gave it away huh yeah yeah that was it because
2: i because
0: i thought i you know immediately uh, like like everybody i'm i'm neku and that i go straight to a quarterback of course Sure. Knowing Roger Staubach, I don't think was picked to like the 15th round after his junior year, by the way. Uh, rules were so much different then. But uh, all right. All right. I feel good about that. I feel you good. Should, about that.
1: You four should feel me. very good about that.
0: That's one of my better ones. All right. Uh, in this uh, largely uh, unhumorous verse. Yeah. <laughs> unhumorous. Four <Pat>, laughs. Four laughs.
2: Four we, laughs. Move we, on,
0: we, we move on to baseball because it has been Speaking boy, it of- humorless. It's been a roller coaster with baseball, man. We went through, we had a couple of shows where, you know, the three of us were just deciding within like a 10-day period when the first game was going to start and oh, look ah, this they've just got a couple of things to work on. and even when we were talking about you know all the moving pieces that have to go into yeah. starting a baseball season we were all opti- we were hope filled and optimistic and now i'm i i don't even know where i'm supposed to be at this point i know an 81 game schedule has now been proposed i believe by major league baseball or 76 game schedule i believe was the newest one that came down um is basically
1: the thing I mean, what, is, what are they doing, Mark? They've, they've they've squandered their opportunity to be the thing we talked about yep. during the summertime. Uh, they've squandered their opportunity to be the hope and pastoral path. You know the the pastoral game and the 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 place in our hearts where we can rest and we can hope and we can believe in America. They've squandered that, and it's all because they. Uh, You know, essentially, uh, baseball can be the best of us and baseball can be the worst of us. It's like America. We have the entire world in America. So oftentimes we have the worst of the world that combines to have, you know, that combines to be an American fault. But we also have the best of the world that can combine to, to have us, you know, Hopefully, more often to not reach for our better angels. It's the same thing with baseball. Baseball is filled with individuals who can can be at their worst in this game and can be at their best. What's happened, John? And I I blame Tony Clark, but I don't blame him necessarily more than the owners. the The guy that 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 uh, Tony Clark took over for in 2013 uh, died unexpectedly. Well, he he had cancer, but he was young, and. He was essentially an attorney and had worked for Major League Baseball and for worked for the players. And he had not really a baseball background, but he did this beautiful thing and these collective bargaining agreements, you know, were were negotiated during the previous collective bargaining agreements. The players kept making money four, five, six percent better every year. Baseball was happy because they were making money. They enjoyed everything. Here comes Tony Clark, and baseball salaries have progressively gone down under his leadership. And the ownership sensing this divisive kind of guy that's going to be us versus them thought, all right, let's let's do some things because we have years before this collective bargaining agreement comes up. Let's do some things that they're not going to be able to do about anything about. And he's just going to get them all pissed off. You know, like, for instance, manipulating service time, you know, not bringing, you know, uh, Albies all the, you know putting him down for two weeks before you bring him up so you can get another year of service time out of him before he's a free agent. Yeah,
0: they had a whole list of players who, I guess, April 16th, if, if you if you start your service of the year yeah. after April 16th, that pushes your free agent year back a year. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's... Yeah. And 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 they said, look at look at rosters for the first two weeks of a major league baseball season. And then look at all the guys they start bringing up in that third week in April. And it's mainly because these are guys who sat in, to your point, Mark, triple A and double A, who were ready for the majors. but they wanted to
1: buy an extra year out of them. George Springer, George Springer missed his free agency by one day. And now COVID happens and it's going to be highly depressed when it comes back and becomes a free agent for instance. So that's going to draw animosity from the players. The other thing is tanking, teams tanking. When they don't sign anyone over a million dollars and just tank for 3 years like the Houston Astros did, that depresses salaries and the players obviously weren't for that either. But as opposed to previous union negotiators, previous player union reps that would say, "All right, Major League Baseball, we don't like what this is going on. We're going to we're going to make it an issue." And we're going to ask you if we can kind of maybe maybe move together a little bit on this. But Tony Clark just dug in, dug in, dug in. So by the time this thing came around, the the mistrust that is sort of in the DNA, oh, by the way, between the Players Union, Major League Baseball and the ownership, which had which had been mitigated successfully in the last two decades, well, it came back to the fore. And that was first and foremost what it's been all about. So they don't trust the owner's. Uh, claims for not having any money and uh, they're not going to budge from what they feel like they've already done, which is agreed to a prorated salary, which is from any normal person's point of view, what do you, you expect full pay right. when you play half? Right. What can, that's not a concession, Major League Baseball. That's just the next step. Oh, okay, we'll do that. I mean, how is that a concession? And how is that used to lord over them to saying that they want more? So at 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 any rate, someone's going to have to take the high road, John. Yeah. Someone's going to have to take the high road, otherwise, baseball is going to be it's going to be worse than '94 because it's this time. The other sports have been fine. It's it's a time where people need the sport, and you're going to fuck around.
0: Yeah, and I think you know Tony Tony Clark uses a style of negotiating called brinksmanship, which is actually it's a it's it's time honored. As, well, as a, a well, as, it, it it sometimes can work as a, uh, a as a negotiating tactic. It doesn't really work in the framework of the baseball of uh, baseball negotiations. I think is what everybody is saying. In theory, it sounds like, wow, it's a really good idea. we'll We'll push these owners into this into this corner and they'll have to come along with us. Here's what I would remind the Major League Baseball Players Association, and that is the people who own your baseball teams are wealthy, not rich. The old line, I don't know whose it was. I think it was Chris Rock who said, you know, if you people always saying players get too much. Remember, Michael Jordan is rich. The guy who owns the Bulls is wealthy. And it's the difference between fuck you money and fuck everybody money. You
2: totally and, misquoted Chris Rock there. Shaquille, uh, O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal is rich. The guy that signs his paychecks is wealthy. I think it's a Michael Jordan
0: joke that he did first. I think oh, yeah. he updated that for later things, and I'm going to find nice. that and send it to you. I, I, I have I, I will require. I will require uh, you to apologize to me, not just saying if I was offended by what you've said, <laughs> but just by saying that you were wrong. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure there is a Michael Jordan one somewhere as well. But uh, but 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 the point being, you know, these uh, owners, there's always an out for them, Mark, because I guarantee you, there's not a baseball owner who purchased their baseball team, whose team is now not worth a great deal more than when they purchased it. Yeah, And benefit of that, they could cut and run anytime they wanted. You know, the baseball season not being played doesn't really affect Jeffrey Luria's bottom line that much. Baseball's not where he's making all of his money. He's owning sports teams for the vast majority of people outside of maybe Mark Davis or the Raiders. Um, that that's 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 play around stuff they do with the extra money from from what made them wealthy. Um they have less in in my mind there's less inclination for them to take steps to the middle than there are for the players. The sad point of that is I agree with Buster Olney on the position that he thinks the owners really if they were concerned about the game should probably take more concessions this time.
1: Well, and I think that they, you know, that that's the Argument that he makes that perhaps they say, all right, we're going to do the prorated rate, but we'll, uh, we'll give you, we'll take, we'll meet somewhere in the middle between revenue sharing and an 81 game schedule of prorating because, because the, the return um, MLB owner proposal after the players had their 114 game proposal was a 48 game proposal because the owners are claiming they're going to lose about $700,000 per game. Now, that could be the case, but to your point John, even if they did lose $700,000 per game and lost, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, their their franchise can make up for that in a year, if not right. less than a year, the value of the franchise. The thing about ownership Because if they didn't play a season, you're right. They're not going to take much of a hit because they have no overhead at that point in time. Right. But they've got to see a little bit bigger picture of what they're doing to the game. Because they have been riding a wave, riding a serious wave essentially since 1998 for Major League Baseball to a point where there were four collective bargaining agreements signed during the previous ones. And that has not happened in any other sport. So – They've got to think about that as well. And the players maybe need to say, listen, we want to keep it prorated. If you want to do 81 games, that's fine. But we'll take a tiny less percentage of the prorate. So it's not 100%. So we're not making half, which is 100% of, you know, of 81 games. It's half the season. We'll take 90% or 80%. We'll do something that at least guarantees us some money, which the revenue sharing doesn't do necessarily. It just guarantees them the TV revenue, and that's it. You don't know about when fans are going to be there. And maybe they negotiate something along those lines, but someone's got to make a good faith gesture. Right. Someone's got to do that, John. And it's not Tony Clark, because he might as well you might as well call him John Foster Dulles. You might as well call him that.
0: Wow. I'd like like to Send out greetings to the one person who might be listening that understands that reference, John Foster Dulles. By the way, Dulles Airport in Northern Virginia, named after our former uh, Secretary of State, I believe, John Foster Dulles, under uh,
1: Eisenhower's administration. whose but brother Allen coined the term brinksmanship or, or certainly exhibited that in his negotiations. Sure. Brother of Alan Dulles,
0: former head of the CIA, who may or may not have been involved with the Kennedy assassination, depending on your position. And we'll, and we'll do a show on the Kennedy assassination at some point. And Alan, Alan Dulles.
1: Dulles. Alan Dulles. Ladies
2: Alan and Dulles. gentlemen, please return to your seats and fasten your seatbelts. We'll be landing at Tony Clark Airport in 15 minutes.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, uh, well, you know what? This, yeah, I tell you this. America loves comeback story, Mark. And I'll finish up this baseball thing by saying this about Tony Clark. Uh, I've interviewed Tony Clark uh, a couple of times at spring training and I believe elsewhere. I think he was in the club. Uh, right guy. Very bright guy. Sure. Obviously, you know, to get involved in this after a long, successful career, um, you know, a a guy with ambitions and a guy who I know has what he believes to be the best interest of his players at heart, whether he's played it right or not. um, This would be a great opportunity for Tony Clark to be able to make up for past mistakes. And I think particularly what we've stared down the barrel of in this country for the last few months um, if he could, if he could be a big part of getting baseball back on the field successfully through the rest of this season, and helping out his players, helping out the owners, maybe more in the short run, his uh, his union members in the long run, he could do a lot to uh, to changing that narrative about him. That you will do everything you can to perpetuate moving forward with this massive platform that you've uh, you've chosen to use. Well, you know what? <laughs> yeah, the thing is. Is that have you, I'm a, have you convinced the chief of the fire and uh, the seven other people listening? Yes. Uh, that that's what you need to know.
1: We'll, we'll think, check in with each of them. I think I'm a relatively forgiving guy. I really do. At least I'd like to think of myself as that. That could be my own bubble easily. But I like to think of myself as a forgiving guy, whether I am or not is up for up for um, speculation. But if he were to come out with something like that and pull a clutch move and, and and take the high road and have some good faith toward the owners, then I would give him all kinds of credit. It's like it's like Donald what Donald Trump could do if he simply tweeted black hashtag Black Lives Matter. We would now be talking about a whole di- this whole disastrous week that he had and all of the militarization, blah, 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 blah. If he just did that, didn't he didn't say anything, didn't change his stance on kneeling didn't change his stance on Kaepernick, didn't do anything except tweet that, the narrative would would change. There would be a thawing of some people's perception of him, just like if Tony Clark at least said, you know what, I'll go 5% toward your proposal, Major Mm -hmm. League Baseball, I would say there's a thawing. There will be a thawing of my... Right now, ensconced opinion of him being a clam. And I'm speaking of Tony Clark.
2: Hello. All right. Yeah, so uh, that I, was I, the I, conclusion of that. <laughs> John, John, John jumped over to his phone to read what I was sending, which I should have waited till after the show. But uh, I looked at that earlier and was compelled to share that we have uh, more than doubled our audience uh, recently. So wow. don't downplay the audience so much.
0: See, two people tell two people tell two people and so on and so on. I told you from the
2: beginning, it takes some time and people would love to hear you guys talk about politics. So I'm not going to say which one it was. (laughs) Not gonna say which one, but uh, either way, I was right. Yes, uh, no, Jeff,
0: you 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 you've been on top of that one the whole time, and I get uncomfortable. I'm like, well, what about moving the three point line back a little? Seems like is uh, Mark's like, no, social justice. I have to give you credit, Mark. You are you are much more willing to push that, and that is because Mark will not accept that you could have a differing opinion than him. And as we have always said, as the show now gets back to its uh, prime directive, which is uh, me criticizing Mark's uh, uh, well, just character. Mark character yeah. sure <laughs> that uh and you will admit this mark uh and i, I think this is what's well, one of my favorite things about you you're more offended by someone saying uh you know what i uh i'm with you about 75 percent but uh, the last 25 percent i can't go with you on and then if they just said i completely disagree with you yeah. i completely yeah. disagree you can convince yourself this person's a fucking moron but at the other one you're like i'm i'm, I'm so close I can close the deal. So it just won't stop. It's then then it becomes
1: the emotional bullying. You called you. You, you gave it a name in the last iteration of After Further Review. It's called Ferrera Land. disagree with if you don't agree with Mark 100 percent, he's going to come at you just as hard as he would if you disagree with him with 100 percent as well. Maybe
0: even harder because you can see you. You see the person who agrees with you 75 percent as the wounded animal. It's it's like I, I winged him. I winged him. Let me let me pull out my Bowie knife. If I could just run him down and slit his throat, he be right there with me.
1: Wow. But I would also say, John, that sometimes you, sometimes you can do that in terms of vocabulary that we've talked about in terms of social justice and everything else. It's like you won't have a conversation with someone who won't admit they have white privilege. Right. So let's say they admit everything else in terms of the social justice debate, but they can't go there. You're you, to me. you, would exactly. Dead to me. exactly. Dead to so, me. so there's a bit of Ferrer land in that.
0: Would you agree? Well, I've worked with you for 21 years. <laughs> Certainly, you it's know, still just, somehow by osmosis. just by osmosis, I've been pushed in that direction. All Plus, right. I've just seen you emotionally batter people into submission. <laughs> I mean, I at a, I saw you, was it, I think it was uh, Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey I saw Jr. You, I saw you follow him around spring training for like an hour before a game, all on camera. Mr. Griffey, do you mind? No, I'm not going to talk. And I mean, you, it was relentless. You were a to a shark. And uh, eventually you got your interview with Ken Griffey Jr.
1: Who had boycotted ESPN at that point, And yeah. I finally convinced him this was Disney. This was for the kids. And I just stayed in his face. I did. I did. I reduced him. I reduced him. And I could never do that.
0: I could never do that because I was pre- I was presented with Lou Pinella a couple of days after he was caught in just some expletive laden tirade in the in the dugout at spring training. Just it was a, it was a Tuesday. Oh my God! <laughs> it was just and Lou, you know, stinking a gin, just
1: screaming <laughs> again a
0: Tuesday. <laughs> Just and, it, and they caught him on a on a on a mic. Do you remember this? And it was like one of the local stations caught him on a mic and it ended up, you know, it's spring training. You know, March Madness hasn't kicked in yet or, or not enough. And so, of course, it ends up being a story on Sports Center because, you know, why not? And uh, we we were at uh, spring training a couple days later to interview uh, the Rays. And uh, I politely walked up and, you know, hey, Skip, do you mind if we get a couple of questions with you? And he saw my mic flag, which said ESPN Club, not realizing that I was I was nothing but a glorified door greeter at a restaurant uh, who, who had been given the op, a, a press pass and thinking that I was in some way an ESPN journalist. <laughs> I was a restaurant broadcaster, a restaurant broadcaster. That's that was right. our career. That's right. Uh, uh, but uh, and uh, and he turned on me. I'm not talking to ESPN. <laughs> now, he may not have sounded like that, but that's what we're gonna go with for this for this uh, reenactment. Lou, I'm not and you and the thing, and and I don't know. There was a series of consonants together that didn't
1: really spell a word, but I could tell he was angry. Uh, and hugely un, you know, unshaven, not 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 you know, unshaven, like sweating, sweating. You could smell the gin coming out of his sweat
0: right exactly place smelled like juniper every the whole stadium smelled like juniper uh, but uh, the uh, and he was and he, he was managing one of those rays teams i don't remember i don't know if you remember at one point they had vinny castilla they had uh, jose canseco they had fred mcgriff so honestly there was no reason to ever go to one of their games cuz i think they went i don't know 40 and 122 um, but to go to batting practice It was a home run derby. It was just amazing. And even said to Fred McGriff, I said, Fred, you look around here. Isn't batting practice the most exciting thing? And he goes, no, they're sure going out (laughs) because it was just those guys hitting bombs. And it was a horrible baseball team. But that was I could know. I couldn't. You would have gone. You would have gotten Lou Pinella. Eventually Lou Pinello would have been weeping with his head on your shoulder, answering questions, but
2: I just couldn't do that. He would have it's finally just, sobered up with with Mark still on his back with a microphone.
0: Mark would have taken him to passages. Passages, West
1: Palm Beach, to, you know, deal with his addiction. <laughs> I was I was called the bulldog in those spring training. It's called the Bulldog. We'd I was able set to set
0: up a system, Jeff, where uh, our producer knew players and managed so well that we got to the point, and It was beautiful. You would have loved this if you'd been along as a cameraman or something. For it, he just basically said stand here, and he just brought us athletes. We had a nice backdrop, and I do the interviews for him. Mark was so unnerved by this that he couldn't just stand there and wait for the athlete. That uh, Keith said several times he turned around, and he was bringing an athlete. Mark was gone because he was like he'd held the backup hunter down
1: for you. You must talk to me. That mm. sounds <laughs> like a it, lot it, of fun. It, it, in the early days, it had to be gorilla like that. And, oh, yeah. and, and I and I uh, embraced that role. And then when things were taken care of for me, I I. I had a reaction. Let's I be had honest. A reaction.
2: Let's be honest too. Nobody wants to hear from the guy that will get paraded over to a place to come talk to somebody anyway. You want to talk to the guy? You have to chase around for forty-five minutes to get an interview out of.
0: That's true. That that that's so true. We've oh, yeah. heard
2: Rocco Baldelli. <laughs> yes,
0: it's it, it's so it's so very true. But I uh, there, so there you go. There's a little insight into to Mark and I. All right, Mark. Uh, final clues for progressive trivia, please. Even though I've already guessed it.
1: You have already guessed it. Congratulations. First set of clues. Fourth round draft pick. Hall of Famer. 20 plus playoff games. Five time pro bowler. 100 plus sacks. So he's a defensive guy. Played with Lawrence Phillips and Jim Burt. 13 year career. Won more than one Super Bowl. Has 10 plus playoff sacks. Started 120 games. His college team has won two national titles in their history. And its colors are purple and gold. Mm-hmm. You, you, you love Been that school. Been there many times.
0: Been you there love many that times. school.
1: And he won a Super Bowl with multiple teams. That's sort yep. of a, uh, a giveaway. Won mu- Super Bowl with multiple teams. How close were you, Jeff, before, uh, before John chimed in and got this thing? Were you, were you anywhere near that?
2: No, I, I uh, was focusing on other things like looking up Chris Rock's joke. And uh, <laughs> I, my mind was off of uh, trivia and, and working on producing <laughs> producing my points.
1: V- Very nice. All
2: right, Johnny. How dare, so, how dare so that
0: you present does me? How dare you present me with facts? I'll have no. I'll have no. No part in that. But I'm pretty sure I heard Michael Jordan. We're gonna. You know, we're gonna find out. It's. It's gonna be like Kobe. We. We both got it wrong. It's. He used Kobe as. A, as the quote. Uh,
2: you're. You're probably right.
0: I think he probably. I think he probably just changed it depending on you know how many years had passed before uh, he went from Jordan to. To Shaq, to Kobe, and now who's the best? Here, All right, LeBron. Is it LeBron. It would be LeBron still, in your mind, best player in the NBA, even at this advanced age?
2: I don't know. I, KD I, sounds I, so better with the jokes. Oh, KD is rich. rich. <laughs> a good point.
1: Mark LeBron, best player in the game right now? Uh, I, I would say, arguably, he very well may win the MVP this year, so by definition, he's still the best player and he's he's making the rest of his team great he's sort of doing everything an mvp does and 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 as we know john the mvp usually comes from a team that that wins um so you know he's he's one or two for the mvp i would say i would say he's the best player of the game still All right. yeah i i mean i hard i'd have a hard time
0: disagreeing with that jeff you still think lebron at this point you would consider the best player in the game
2: um, yeah, it's hard to argue against him, but if I were yeah. to argue, I'd say that Giannis Antetokounmpo and Kawhi Leonard are right on his tail.
1: Uh, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. You know, the youngsters are are, are are catching up pretty quickly, but he is 35. He's been in the league 17 years. He's sort of been the best player for at least 10 of those, if not a dozen So it's a pretty remarkable career. There's no doubt. And
0: basketball is interesting. And and do you agree with me on this? Basketball is, uh, and by the way, this is affording as our pre-closing, closing closing segment, because we'll talk for a moment and then come back and let you give the answer to the progressive trivia, which I've already lost interest in since I guessed it on the fifth clue. Um, But uh, uh, basketball, it's, it's, to my mind easier to track that whole situation where you have the best player and the drop off of the best player into the next generation of best players. I don't know why. I just see it seems to be because in a, in a sport like baseball competition against batters is such a, it's really sort of a nebulous thing because they don't face the same pitchers at the same time under the same situations. Um, and I, you know, quarterbacks, they're not competing against each other. But in basketball, you play offense and defense and you play against each other uh, in those, you know, LeBron will go up against uh Someone else at times. Yeah, we'll go up against why. So you have those tangible things that you can look at, which you don't in any other sport. So I think it is while we have that debate, while it's a fun debate to have, it really is to me the sport where it's most laid out right in front of you, the tail of the tape.
1: I think that's true, and I I love the fact that they compete against each other, but it's also the most star-driven league as well. So we're already thinking in terms of individual guys and matching them up against other stars as opposed to other teams. You know, Mike Trout should come to mind in terms of the best player of the game, but because baseball is not a star-driven sport or league, or certainly their marketing model doesn't use that, you know, a lot of other things can come into play. They play offense and defense too, but they don't play directly against one another to your point.
0: Yeah, that's that's it. And I also think for some reason in the NBA, um, the the location of your team seems to be a little less important sometimes than it is. You know, in baseball, we give an inordinate amount of time to Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers. You know, we don't pay, I I fully admit, don't pay a lot of attention to the Milwaukee Brewers as as, uh, casual fans of the sport. Um, basketball, because it's a star driven league, it seems to be that you can have guys in San Antonio or Dallas or somebody in, you know, a golden state, uh, or
1: or or Toronto,
0: Toronto. Yeah. And, and casual fans can be more aware
1: of them. Oklahoma city.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's. I, I really do think that's the case in basketball. I think they've done. That's one of the things basketball has done a nice job with. After you know the golden era, and you and I talk about it. When yeah, it was the golden era. If you're in Boston or Los Angeles, and you know maybe Houston now and again in the first couple of years of the '80s in Philadelphia, but it was a much more limited. Now I think basketball has done a good job marketing the whole league versus using the stars versus. Um,
1: some of the other sports where that's just not the case, and particularly something like baseball. I think Robert Ori may have done this with Houston, San Antonio. I think he did for sure. He won championships with three different organizations, and I think he won seven total, if I'm not mistaken. But in terms of a star player, not a bench player, not a role player, if you will, uh, doing that, I'm not sure anyone has, and LeBron would if he wins with the Lakers, mm-hmm. which I think is a noteworthy addendum to his career, that he may not have six titles but the number three is key for him that he won th- you know one at least with three different franchises as the main guy right but realize this when he's gone and Kawhi Leonard still has the prime of his career he's he's set to do that as well because the Clippers are right there yeah and he's won one with Toronto and with San Antonio Kawhi Leonard could could step into that role you know immediately and knock LeBron off of that particular perch uh because Kawhi did it you you would think Kawhi did it less obtrusively than than LeBron did who who sort of was in there rolling up his sleeves you know making it all happen individually where Kawhi said yeah I'll go to the clippers yeah I'll go to the I'll go to the Raptors, you know, is one of those. Well, also,
0: and LeBron was so much more celebrated when he came into the league. I mean, he just it started out with him being that, you know, that boy wonder thing when he was in high school. And everybody, everybody who looked at him said, not only can this guy come into the league out of high school, but he could almost dominate right away, whereas Kawhi, snuck up on people. People didn't weren't expecting that of him. So LeBron created certainly such an outsized. Uh, character that is LeBron James beyond everything else. All right, let's let's go ahead and uh, wrap up our progressive trivia, and then we will get out
1: of here as we're overtime as always. As always, fourth round draft pick, Hall of Famer, twenty plus playoff games, five time Pro Bowler, hundred plus sacks, played with Lawrence Phillips and Jim Burt, thirteen year career, won more than one Super Bowl, won five. 10-plus playoff sacks, started 120 games. College team has won two national titles in its career and its history. Colors are purple and gold. That school is? James Madison Dukes. James Madison Dukes, who are in the same conference as the Delaware Blue Hens, correct? Yes, I believe they are, yeah. Oh, that that mid-Atlantic, that mid-Atlantic area, Johnny, that's <laughs> home for you. Yes, and uh, I won a Super Bowl with multiple teams, that would be the Cowboys and the San Francisco 49ers. 1-3 with the Cowboys. 1-2 with the Niners. The great, the Hall of Famer, Charles Haley.
0: Yeah, I tell you. he And he was in a period of time there where uh, guys from uh – James Madison really started to you know, put itself on on the national stage. They had Haley. They had Gary Clark, the great wide receiver for the Washington Redskins, who started out actually in the USFL. I believe uh, uh, Scott Norwood, the kicker for the Bills, well-known ah. well for missing was Scott Norwood's also a JMU guy. So uh, Charles Haley was just – we watched the football life on him. And I tell you, as time for, – for whatever reason, as time slips away, there, there were guys that you just – you you know they were great, and we look at all those Super Bowls. But then you just watch the film, and uh, he was, you know, he if not Lawrence Taylor, he was yeah. on that level of the one guy on the defense who alone could tip, you know, could could tip things in your favor. He
1: was a a monster on the field, a no monster, doubt. no doubt about it. And uh, them getting rid of the the Niners getting rid of Haley. Because he was a problem, quote-unquote, was one of the worst decisions that they've they've made. And in terms of acquiring talent and gaining talent and drafting talent, the Niners have had a pretty darn good history. There's no doubt about it, certainly since the Walsh era. Uh, But that was a big blowout, and that was in the Seaford era. That was a huge, huge blowout. So we we talked about Haley, San Francisco. We talked about the Golden Gate Bridge, San Francisco. (laughs) Talked about Colin Kaepernick, San Francisco. So I'm pretty happy with today's show. We slipped to James Madison in there, so we got within 100 miles
0: of where I grew up, or 80 miles, so I guess that's the best I can hope to do. Um,
1: <laughs> Gary all Clark. Right. He, uh,
0: what's that? Gary Clark. Well, I said James Madison. Yeah, yeah right. Gary Clark was a skin as well. All right, fair, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. All right, before we get out of here, guys, any, any parting thoughts that you would like to communicate to the
2: folks? I said Kevin Durant. He's from Washington, D.C.
0: Oh, that's true. That's right. I keep forgetting Durant's from D.C. So it's pretty, you know, relatively fair. Relatively fair. It's close. I just don't I just don't shoehorn it in like you do. For me, it's you know, you have them written down. There's a list in front of you that has like San Francisco icons. You could get to Coit Tower since I wrote the audio tour for it. But, you know, job. Yeah. So The,
2: the blackboard in front of Mark looks like a beautiful mind of San Francisco history.
0: Yeah, it, it does. Some, and, some sort of and, FBI sting. <laughs> yep, yep. Strings and, going, all right, if I mention Haley, then I can get to, uh, I'll jump on Dana Stubblefield and now getting rid of him.
1: And... But I don't have to do much. I mean, you know, Kaepernick's in the news, that that, that tweet yeah. of the, the Golden Gate Bridge. This is this is uh, going viral. I mean, I, I, I don't have to do much. It seems to be the center of the universe. More than uh, world's more, burning to the th- ground, and the
0: first thing we think about is San Francisco.
1: Gee, hey,
2: did I yeah, you must
0: be
1: so
2: did I mention that I watched Ant Man the other night? Hey,
1: there you go, there it more is. San Francisco. There, there it is. I would just say that uh, we're, we're gonna go to another platform starting Wednesday, yeah, and uh, we'll see if it works. Maybe it can help continue to build our audience, which I think. You know, uh, concentrating our social media on just our AFR site on Facebook and on Instagram has helped.
2: I do believe and, that made uh, a huge we're difference. We're going to do
1: live on YouTube, folks. We're going to do YouTube live, and then immediately Jeff will post it to a podcast. So you can still get to the podcast anytime you need. But if you happen to be listening at 2 o'clock on Monday, Wednesdays, or Friday, in this case it starts Wednesday, then you could chime in with comments that Jeff will monitor and we'll, we'll look at as well. And uh, you can be part of the show if we deem if we deem that you be part of the show John I mean I know you're you're the guy that you know would rather not comment on the comments and I'm the guy that would sort of want everyone involved you know it's sort of that that's the narrative that's the you know that's the archetype of the two of us but I think we we don't need to be slaves to the comments but we want we want to welcome you we want to welcome the interaction. And we'll have another platform, Johnny. Are you are are you excited? Or are you nervous? Uh,
0: nervous? Uh, uh, just uh, yeah, understandably nervous. Uh, given people watching us live, I think that's uh, that's th- a good that, point. That that could that could be a problem. I also want to point out to everybody: while Mark may be much more willing to engage your comments, he will also be uh, as as we pointed out on the show before, he will, depending on those comments, at times deem that you are uh, you are not welcome to have your opinion.
1: Well, that's true. That is so. Very true.
0: I, I will not jump into that. I will tell you if I think your opinion is incorrect in my eyes. Mark will simply tell you, "No, I'm sorry, you have abdicated the response, the uh, ability to have a uh, an opinion on this. You don't because have the right. You don't have that right. You, you don't have the right to your opinion. He's not coming for your guns, issue. people. He's not coming for your guns. He no, buys no. in. He buys into your religion. But your opinion. Right.
1: We're, we're coming for that. I'm coming after that. I'm That's coming it. after your opinion, folks.
0: And that will be the last word. Thank you for listening to After Further Review. Back on Wednesday, everybody. Have a good couple of days.